Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Hey, I want to welcome you again to Blue Ridge Church. It's great to have you. Great to have our Blue Ridge Church online campus joining us today. We are going to jump right in and we're going to continue with another aspect of God's amazing grace. In this series, each week we've been taking a different aspect and we were looking at how it applies to our life. So today I want to start off and I just want to ask a couple of questions and just to kind of get you thinking and pondering. But have you ever thought about why you're here? Not why you're at the church, but why are you here on this earth? You know, we do this journey called life, maybe, you know, 40, 50, 60, 70 years, whatever time God gives us, and and then we're gone. Have you ever thought about what's the purpose of me, right? Why am I here? What's my purpose in life? And I think we all have that question. We've all had that question in our life. It's a nagging question that's kind of in the back of our minds, right? You know, what am I supposed to do with my life? What is my purpose? And I think a lot of times we never really figure that out. We know we've got a purpose. We know there's something we should be doing or we were created for, yet we never take the time to really figure that out. So today I hope that I can at least answer part of that, part of what our purpose is on this earth. But what I do know about all of you watching, all of you here, what I know about myself is, myself is we were made for a purpose. And one of those purposes is to bring pleasure to God. Another one of those purposes is we were created in such a way to serve him. See, we're part of God's family because of the grace that he gives us. As a matter of fact, let's look at what the Bible says about each and every one of us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And if you want to follow along with our notes, like that welcome video said, I encourage you to download that church center app. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So that means God planned us a long time ago before you were even a thought. In in your parents' eyes, God created you. He thought you up. He designed you. And when he created you, he created you for a purpose to do good things, right? To do great things, really to do his things. Part of God's amazing grace And just him giving us life and breath and the opportunity to live on this earth as he wants us to do good things. So the aspect of God's grace I want to look at today, which is part of the purpose for which he created us, is serving grace. When we serve other people. See, serving grace is a part of God's grace where we are to use what he's given us to serve other people. Serving grace says that we were all created to contribute, right? To give something back. We, we weren't just put on this earth to consume and to take all the time. There's chances and there's opportunities and there's expectations that we're going to do something with our life and we're going to give something back. Now, a lot of people, you'll ask them what's the purpose of their life or what's the purpose of life and they're like, well, I just want to live longer. 
right? I just want to live, you know, the, the best life I can for as long as I can. So people get into, you know, taking care of themselves, living healthy, you know, because they want to live longer. And I get that, you know, sometimes I try to eat right and, and every now and then try to get some exercise, but listen, some of you are over the top when it comes to health. I mean, you think about what you had for breakfast. Some of you ate tree bark and mushrooms. That was your meal, right? The rest of us, maybe we had donuts, uh, a biscuit, Captain Crunch, something, right? But that's not the purpose of our life, just to try to live as long a life as we can, because we don't know how long we have. Yeah, we want to live as healthy as we can, and I get that. But here's the truth, and it's learning number one. It's not all about how long we live on this earth, but how we live. That's really, when you boil, boil it down, that's what matters, how well we live. And serving grace says we were all meant to give something back while we're here. And God's grace made us in such a way that we all have different talents we have different gifts, we have different personalities, different characteristics, different abilities that God gave us to use to serve, serving grace. And, and God's pretty clear about this in the scripture. And here's the cool thing. Nobody has the exact same makeup that you have. That's amazing to think that you are completely unique in the, in the characteristics, the personality, all those attributes God gave you. Nobody is exactly like you. Nobody has that exact same set of gifts that you have. And that's because God, in his infinite wisdom, decided to design each of us differently. So he formed you, he formed me with only us in mind. But those things that he gave us, your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your skills, your resources, whatever, he gave those not just for you to use for yourself, right? He wants us to use those to serve him by serving other people. So he expects us to serve in serving grace. Listen to what the scripture says in 1 Peter 4.10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to satisfy your own desires Make a lot of money and live large. Oh, wait a minute. That's not what it says, is it? No. It says the gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So we will experience grace, in other words, when we serve other people. Now, a lot of people want to serve God. Yeah, I'm all in. I want to serve God. I want to do whatever for God. They just don't want to serve other people. Well, that's impossible because we serve other people. We're serving God, and that's what he expects us to do. So how do you do that? You got to have a, you got to have a ministry. You got to have a calling, right? You can have a calling in the church, a ministry in the church. There's all kinds of ministries on Sundays. We know about those. There's ministries through the, lead, uh, the week where we you know, lead growth groups or we help out with groups, but you can also have a ministry at, at work, something that you do or, or some way you encourage. You can have a ministry within your home or within your neighborhood. It's simply about using your gifts and your talents, not just for yourself, not just for me, but for other people as well. That's serving grace. Anytime we're serving, we're ministering, and we're ministering to God because he wants us to minister to other people, to serve other people. And it doesn't matter how big 
it is or how small it is or how significant or insignificant you think it is. It simply means we just be available and we serve God. That's what he expects. And part of that purpose is we have to have a calling in life. We have to have a ministry in life. A ministry where we're able to show God's grace to others through our service. And I think the best example is Jesus. That's what Jesus did while he was here on this earth. He served other people. Very familiar verse to a lot of you, Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but what? To serve others. If anybody deserved to be served all the time, it was Jesus, but he didn't. He served others. And so serving grace simply says we follow his example. Our whole life, there's things in, in Jesus' characteristics. We need to follow the example. We need to model his behavior. So this is so important because too often in life, we're looking for significance in, in all kinds of different places, and we never find it, really. And the things that the world chases were never completely fulfilled by looking at those things. I, I mean, think about it. How many people do you see on television or people you know in the community, and they've got everything from a worldly perspective. They got plenty of money and they got plenty of status or whatever, but they're not satisfied. They're still miserable because that's not where we find our significance. We're not going to find significance in the size of our bank account because somebody else is always going to have a bigger bank account than we have, right? We're not going to find significance in our job or our career because somebody's always going to have a better career than we have. And we don't find our significance and our status because somebody's status is always better than our status. But God's grace says this, and it's learning number two, we will find significance in serving others. We're going to find true joy and significance when we serve other people with all of those things and that whole package that God gave us to use for his glory and to bring pleasure to him. Matthew 10, 39 Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. So when we give our life away through serving grace, we find true meaning and true significance. And we know at that point that we are meeting part of that purpose or most of that purpose for which God created us. And listen, there's nothing greater than seeing God use you in life. Right, And that's, that blows my mind to think that the God of the universe, our creator who sent his very son for us, that he could use each of us in some way to further his kingdom. That's mind-blowing to me. Can you imagine if you were just available to God and you were using your gifts and your abilities? Maybe it's in your everyday work. Maybe it's something in the home. But then God was able to use you and what you did in some way to move somebody closer to a relationship with him. Just some little. Do you think that person would be appreciative if there was some little thing that you did that led them to the Lord? You bet you they would be. And it's not because you're some superstar or you've got every gift or you've got incredible abilities. You were just available. And you were just faithful to do that part God calls us to do to serve others. See, God simply created us. And one of the things he wants us to do is to serve like Jesus did, 
to have that same attitude. Hey, I'm not here to be served. I'm here to serve other people. And and when you look at Jesus's life and you look at Jesus's ministry, one of the keys to his service is he was simply available. He was just available. So we're going to look at Jesus's first miracle or what turned out to be his, his first recorded miracle in the scripture. Some of you have read this. Some of you have seen this. You've watched The Chosen. You've seen this. But uh, it's in John chapter 2, verse 1 through 10. And it's turning water into wine. The next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mom told him they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, but of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. Hey, a host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone's had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. So Jesus is probably hanging out at this wedding. He's been invited. The disciples are there. His mom is there. He's probably having fellowship with people. And his mom comes up and says, hey, they're out of wine. You need to do something about it. And this really wasn't his timing for when his ministry was going to start with the miracles and everything. But he was available. And he did what God called him to do. And what's amazing, if you look at the different miracles in the scripture that Jesus did, a lot of times he would do it. He was on his way to do something completely different. He was on his way somewhere else. But then he would stop and make himself available and he would perform a miracle. He didn't let a change in his schedule, a change in his plans, keep him from serving and showing grace through service. He allowed himself to be interrupted. So if we want to show grace through serving grace to other people, the first thing we have to do is simply be available. That's what Jesus said. He was just available. We may be interrupted. It may not look like the best timing from our perspective, but I guarantee you it'll be the best timing from God's perspective. You know, last night, uh, it was probably, I don't know, quarter to six, and I went through my notes again, and I'm reviewing everything for today, and then it was about 6.20, and, and we were getting ready to fix something for dinner, and I got a phone call. And I serve as a volunteer chaplain in the community, and it was a call to come out and, and go uh, be with some folks to make a notification. And I'm like, really, God? And, and I was tired you know, and, and I was just wanting to eat and, you know, get in bed early. And I'm thinking, how in the world am I going to deliver this message tomorrow about making yourself available? And, and then I say no. 
So, of course, uh, I went out, but that's what God does. Sometimes he interrupts your plans for his greater good. And I, I do. There's some mornings I, I try to get up and say, okay, God, whatever you want to do today, you have permission to, to interrupt me. You have permission to change my schedule because I want your will and not my will. But I can assure you most days that's not what I get up and pray. Most days I get up and I think about all the things that I need to get done, all the appointments I have, and the things that Scott needs to get done. And that's what I want to do. We have to be willing to be interrupted. We have to allow God to interrupt our schedule. It was probably four or five years ago, and a friend of mine in Illinois called me on the phone. And he said, Scott, you know, my mom is in the hospital. She's sick. She's incredibly down and discouraged, and I can't get home for two days. Is there any way that you could go see her today? And his mom didn't have a church family. She didn't have a relationship with the Lord. And I'm like, I'm thinking of all, I literally, I had a lot to get done that day. I was preparing for a funeral. The, the next day I was trying to get ready for Sunday. I had several meetings uh, set up to, to work with people and to counsel with people. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, this is the worst possible day this could come up. But I felt that nudge, you know, from God. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll go see her. So I go to, to Roanoke to see her and, and spend about an hour and a half with her. And we had an incredible time and an incredible visit. And I, I get ready to leave. And you're going to think, why is this guy even a pastor? But I get ready to leave, you know, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to get these other things done. And, and she stops me and she says, hey, you know, I've never, I've never invited Jesus into my life. You would think the pastor would have offered that before he... <laughs> before he left, right? And, and she asked me, she said, hey, would you help me to invite Jesus into my life? I felt about that tall, you know, but it was God working. And, and so I led her in a prayer and she, at 75 years old, invited Christ into her life. And so driving home the whole way, I'm thinking, what if I would have said no? What if I would have let my schedule and what I had to get done dictate my day instead of making myself available to God? Where would she be for eternity? How would that have turned out? Or who would have been the one that God used to lead her to Christ? We have no idea what God may call us to do. We may think it's insignificant. We just need to be available. So I think we have to be open to God, not just on Sundays to serve and to serve Him, but all throughout the week. And we should really be asking God more frequently than we do, hey, interrupt my schedule if that's what you need to do for your greater good and your greater purpose. And I, you know, wouldn't it be great if he used us in some way to extend his grace to another human being and, and they found Jesus through some little thing that we did? So why don't we do that more? Why didn't Scott make himself more available to God? Well, why do we constantly put that off. And I think in this crazy world we live in, we just get too consumed with our goals and our dreams and our ambitions and everything that we need to do. And quite frankly, there's a lot of times that we don't have time for God in our life, right? We got too much going on. We're too rushed. And we bypass serving grace and those opportunities because we didn't make ourselves available. It's not on your outline, but Philippians 2.4 it says, don't look out for your own interest. 
but take an interest in others too. That is serving grace. So what can we do about it? Because God gives us opportunities to serve him all the time, right? That's what serving grace is all about. And again, it's not about how long we're here on this earth, but how well we live our life. And so I think a fair question that you need to ask, because I had to ask it all week, is am I serving others with the things that God gave me to use, the gifts and the abilities and the resources and the talents? And here's the thing you just need to know when we make ourselves available, learning number Three, there will always be something in the way of serving God. Something's always going to come up. Something's always going to seem more important. Something's going to break or there's going to be a crisis or a problem or a financial issue or whatever. But what are those things that hold us back? And I think one of the things, if we're really just transparent, I think one of the things that holds us back quite frequently is we don't think we know enough about God in order to serve God. I, just, I need more information. I need more knowledge. And then when I feel like I've reached whatever plateau I'm trying to reach, then I'll serve God. Listen, there are people sitting in churches all over the world, and that's all they want. Just give me more knowledge. Just teach me more. Just teach me, teach me, teach me. And we kind of hide behind that and use that as an excuse not to serve. And listen, there's nothing wrong with knowledge. We want to learn more about Christ, and we want to become spiritually mature, and we want to grow. But do you know probably the best way that he grows us spiritually is when we serve him? That's why I always say that uh, deep, I love when, you know, Christians say, well, we just need to go deeper. You know, deep is doing. Deep is not knowledge. Deep is when we can take the scripture, and we can apply it to our lives and we can actually live it and do it. But he grows us best when we serve him. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, my grace, that's what we're talking about in this series, is all you need. My power works best in weakness. We feel weak. We feel like we don't know enough. Listen, his power works best then. And if your life has been changed by Christ, guess what? You know enough to serve him. And that's how he grows us the best. And I think another thing that holds people back, especially in the church, is they come in, and I don't care where, you're, where you go to church regularly, but people come into church and, and they look around and they're like, oh, they, they got this covered. There was somebody that greeted me in the parking lot. There was somebody that opened the door and, and welcomed me. Somebody uh, poured me coffee. Some, thank goodness, there's somebody keeping my kids so I don't have to spend the next hour with them, right? And so they look around and they go, well, they got all this covered. And they think, well, they don't need me. Here, listen, nothing could be further from the truth. There is never, ever enough volunteers for all the people that the Lord wants us to reach. And that's not just a, a pastor's plea. Oh, you got to volunteer. That's biblical. Jesus said that. This is something we are always going to face in the kingdom of God and in the body of Christ. Matthew 9, 37. So he said to his disciples, the harvest is large, but there are few workers to gather it in. So that's always going to be the case. But the, the point is there's always a place to serve. Whether you lead a growth group, whether you volunteer in the kids' ministry, whether you do something in the community or at work. And it's amazing, especially in the church, when you see people start to serve, the joy and the happiness that they have in their lives simply because they're using all that stuff that God gave them 
and only them, and, and they're fulfilling part of their purpose. He just wants us to be available, and he wants us to be faithful, right? What, what does it mean to be faithful in serving grace or faithful in serving others? Faithful means you don't quit when you get discouraged. Faithful means you don't quit when somebody criticizes what you're doing. I can't tell you how many times, listen, uh, it still happens to this day, but especially in the beginning, how many times we were criticized for this church. And I'll be honest, it hurts. It was discouraging. And there's been, you can talk to my wife, there's been multiple times I've wanted to quit over the past 11 years. But I'm like, well, why would I quit? God's the one that called me to do this. And as long as I'm serving him and as long as we're serving him, guess what we're doing? We're serving others because when we serve others, we serve him. You're going to be discouraged at times with serving grace. Some people are just going to take, 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 take all the time from me. You're going to be criticized. Jesus' ministry was criticized all the time. Yet at the end of his ministry, in that prayer in John 17 to his heavenly father, he was able to say this, 17.4, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. That's what I want God to say about us someday. Hey, you got everything done that I wanted you to do. You completed the work I gave you to do. Great job. So to serve Jesus simply means to be available and to be faithful. 1 Corinthians 4.2. Now a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. That's all God cares about. Are we faithful? He cares about our heart. He's not looking to see, did you do it perfectly? Because we make tons of mistakes on Sundays. We make tons of mistakes during the week. He's not looking to see that we do it perfectly. What was your heart condition? Did you do it faithfully? And here's the deal. We don't ever get to quit serving God, right? We're going to serve him here on this earth, but we're also going to serve him for all of eternity. This is just a trial run. So what keeps us motivated? You know, what's the motivation to keep us constantly serving God, whether it's in the church, whether it's outside of the church? And I think one thing that serves as a good motivator is knowing that Christ wiped our past away, right? Christ forgave all of our sin. He gives us an eternal home in heaven. So part of serving grace and serving others and serving the Lord in the process is we're thankful, man. We're thankful that God didn't give us what we deserved. It's it's from a thankful heart that we serve. But I think another motivation is to think that we get rewarded for what we do on this earth once we're a Christian. And and we don't do it just for the rewards. I'm going to do this because I'm going to get reward in heaven. But to think that God knows every single thing that we do for his kingdom. And he He's going to reward that, meaning he's keeping up with it. That's pretty, that's pretty incredible. And we want to please our Heavenly Father. But I think what motivates me the most and it probably motivates a lot of you the most is knowing that people matter. People's lives matter. And what we do, however small, however big, it impacts people for good. And we want people to know who Jesus is. That's that's the best motivator for me to think that somebody's eternity, like my buddy's mom, could be at stake. Because all those things we do, they matter because people matter. 
And here's the truth, learning number four. We have no idea how our ministry today is going to impact people years from now, but it will. I guarantee you. What you do today, you may never see the results of it, but it's going to impact people years from now. Uh, That one sunny afternoon we had this week, I think you can probably remember that, but my neighbor came over. I was sitting out on the porch. It was about 4 o'clock, and my neighbor comes over. Sometimes he comes over, we just talk about things, and quite frankly, we solve most of the world's problems. Y'all just don't listen to us. But he, in, in the midst of the conversation, he brings up tent revival meetings that used to happen in communities all the time. And it, it sparked a story for me. And I'm like, I'm going to write that down and share that on Sunday. But back in the 30s, there was a tent revival meeting in Charlotte, North Carolina. And it had gone on for like weeks. And these two teenage boys kept hearing about this pastor who was in town who was just preaching up a storm every night. It went on every single night. And they heard he was pretty fiery, how he didn't take any grief from anybody. He was a fighter, not like physically, but he would fight back when somebody would disagree with him about something in the scripture or about Jesus. And they're like, man, we, we need to go check this guy out because he, he was starting to develop a reputation. So these two teenage boys, they go one night to this tent meeting. And as soon as they walk in, the place is packed and there's volunteers everywhere, you know, helping this pastor. They're seating people, they're handing them programs, they're bringing water to people, whatever, you know, setting up extra chairs. And so they sit down and they listen to this pastor. And one of those young teenagers started feeling kind of convicted about their sin and, and, and who Jesus was and the need to be forgiven of their sin. So at the end, the pastor did a come forward invitation. And a lot of you, maybe you grew up in a church like that. And a lot of churches still do that today. When you accept Christ, you walk up front and you talk to the pastor. We use the connection card to when somebody accepts Christ, but he felt so convicted. He's like, I'm, I'm going forward. And this whole line of people is going forward. And he's behind this one woman and, and she's in tears, just totally convicted. She's sobbing. And he's like, what in the world? I don't have any emotion at all. I just know I need to deal with my sin. He, he felt guilty. He wasn't showing any emotion. And he looked up front and more and more people were showing emotion. So he turned around to go back to his seat and a volunteer stopped him. Just said, hey, hey, would it be okay if I sat down and talked to you for a few minutes until the pastor is through? And he's like, well, sure. Well, that young man, that teenager ended up inviting Christ into his life that night. And that teenager's name was Billy Graham. And he went on to have a ministry that literally reached millions and millions of people for Christ. Now, do you think Billy Graham was thankful for that volunteer who was simply available and faithful? He wasn't doing anything big. He was just doing what God called him to do. And do you think that volunteer, when he got to heaven, did he got any credit for Billy Graham's ministry? You betcha he did. Or, or think about it this way in, in today's terms. Those of you that, that are so faithful to, to stream with us every week and those of you here, do you know the names of the people that are in the tech booth right now that are running the sound so you can hear me and, and they're running the lights that hopefully makes me look younger? They're, they're, they're working the video, right? They're, they're sending that stream out to everybody that watches. Do you know their names? Probably not. How about the people that are watching your kids, do you know their names? Probably not. You're just glad they're watching your kids. 
right? Do you, do you know the names of the, the people who restock the toilet paper in the bathrooms? Probably not, but you're probably thankful for them, aren't you? Yeah, especially if you had to go this morning, you're like, I am very thankful for that person. There are unsung heroes everywhere, and everything that we do collectively is important. Serving other people with the gifts and the ability that God's given us. And I'm a firm believer God brings people to churches all the time for a reason, right? And and it can be different reasons, but I believe we all collectively have the talents, the gifts. Maybe you've got a, a hobby. Maybe you've got Uh, resources, financial resources. Maybe you've got a contact. Maybe you've got a desire. Whatever it is, all of that stuff that God's given us is needed each and every week here and in bodies of Christ everywhere to fulfill the purpose for which he created us. Listen, our careers aren't going to last forever. Unfortunately, relationships don't last forever. Hobbies don't last forever, but the kingdom of God lasts forever. And the things that we do make an impact. We just don't know today the things we're doing and how they're going to impact people for tomorrow, but they will. See, we are part of the greatest cause in the entire world, the kingdom of God, and we all have a part in that. We have gifting to be able to do that. What we do makes major significance in people's lives. So I just want to encourage you, be a part of that. Use whatever God's given you to the best of your ability to serve him by serving others. That's what serving grace is. Let's pray together. God, it's just amazing that you could use any of us, as flawed as we are, as broken as we are, as messed up as we are, that you could use us for anything. But God, just knowing that you created us with a purpose to bring you pleasure, to serve you by serving others, it's really mind-blowing. Lord, help us to be available to you. Help us to allow you to interrupt our schedules. Help us to be faithful in whatever it is that you've called us to do. God, we also just want to pray for our world. We want to pray for our leaders, pray for the people in Ukraine and other parts of the world that are in turmoil. Lord, be with those in our church family and beyond that are sick, that are recovering, that are struggling in their marriage. Lord, there's so many needs. Help us to to meet some of those needs by just using what you've given us for your glory. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we finish up, just real quick, I want to encourage you to fill out that connection card that's on that Church Center app, or you can scan that QR code and access it. If you have prayer requests, put those in. Uh, Our prayer team will pray through those the entire week. If you're worshiping through generosity, you can do that in the black boxes, or you can do that online. It is even better. I truly hope that you have an incredible week. Take those opportunities to make yourself available and see what God does in your life. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday. God bless you guys.